This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmeyer, and welcome to Keep the Faith, my weekly podcast in which we explore contemporary Jewish issues through the prism of Jewish law and tradition. If this was any other week, my topic would be the horrific mass murder of children in Uvalde, Texas on Tuesday. I do discuss it, though, and at length, in my Jewish Standard column this week, but it's not the subject of this podcast. I urge you to read the column, though, and to take seriously what it, and today's podcast for that matter, have to say. As for why gun violence is not the topic today, it's only because this is the start of the Memorial Day weekend. And so the topic for this week is remembering the fallen on Memorial Day and what it is they died to protect. As I've often said, we tend to view the stories in the Torah through the lens of how they've been portrayed on television and in the movies, and especially one movie in particular, Cecil B. DeMille's 1956 film, The Ten Commandments. In the last scene, the camera pulls up close as Moses, in a stentorian voice, speaks words taken straight out of the Torah portion we read just last Shabbat morning. Go, proclaim liberty throughout the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. Those same words, of course, are engraved on the Liberty Bell. How appropriate it is, then, that these words often appear in the Torah portion that's read either at the beginning of the Memorial Day weekend or the week leading up to it. On Memorial Day, we recall, or at least we should recall, the nearly 1.3 million people who died in service to this country from 1776 until today. Not all of them died in actual combat, but they all died in the service of those words. They gave their lives their last full measure of devotion, to borrow Abraham Lincoln's phrase, to defend our freedom, to defend our liberty, and to defend our values. Those glorious concepts all came from the Torah. Last week's portion especially was all about freedom, liberty, and human dignity. From start to finish, it dealt with issues that have reverberated throughout history. It's what brought the pilgrims to these shores, and it's what the founding fathers of this nation relied on in creating the United States with its promise of equality for all, and for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for all. Some of you will remember, I hope, my Thanksgiving and July 4th podcasts in which I discussed the connection between the founding of America and the Tanakh, our Bible, and especially its first five books, the Torah. I won't go over that material today. It would take too long, and after all, this is a holiday weekend. But there's no disputing that fact. There can be no disputing that this nation was founded on the values handed down to us by the Torah. That's not an example of Jewish hubris on my part. Many non-Jewish scholars have said exactly the same thing. 
For example, in the past, I've quoted Dr. John Woodland Welch on this subject, and it's worth doing so now. Professor Welch is a Mormon, not a Jew. He's the founder of the Foundation for Ancient Research and Mormon Studies, and he's a distinguished professor of law at Brigham Young University. Some years ago, writing in the university's law review, Professor Welch had this to say, quote, The Hebrew Bible was nothing short of the underlying fabric upon which American society was founded. The profound influence of biblical law on early American colonial law is obvious to those who have studied 17th century law in America. This utilization of biblical law was not a passing fancy in colonial America, unquote. That words taken from the Torah are engraved on the Liberty Bell, therefore, is no accident. And yet, I wonder whether all of us who are Americans still hold true to the values America was founded on and to that promise America's founding represented. Consider, for example, what's going on at our southern border. In a single eight-month period, just a little over three years ago, six migrant children died in U.S. custody. Before that, no child had died in U.S. custody in over a decade, and never have so many children died in U.S. custody in so short a period of time. The children who died ranged in age from 16 years old to 16 months old. They died in U.S. custody because their parents either brought them here or sent them here on their own in search of the very freedoms we all too often take for granted. John Sanders, for one, is haunted by those deaths because those children died while they were, in effect, in his care when he was Commissioner of Customs and Border Protection. A year ago, Sanders spoke candidly to National Public Radio about those deaths and the crisis at our southern border generally. Quote, My greatest fear and the hardest thing for me when I was at CBP was the death of children. My greatest fear is children will die, and that's what I think we have to make sure never happens. It's just I think we as a country have to figure out and have some tough conversations about so this doesn't keep happening again and again, because it's the children who suffer at the end of the day, unquote. Sanders said migrant children who are taken into U.S. custody are already physically and emotionally strained after weeks, if not months, of traveling under very difficult conditions. Being held in Border Patrol custody only exacerbates the problems they face. Yet, these children keep on coming. So far in the 2022 federal fiscal year, which began last October, more than 84,000 unaccompanied minors have come across the Mexican border. The so-called Title 42 pandemic restrictions begun in March 2020 and so often in the headlines these days 
have only made matters worse. Title 42 is a public health order issued by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention that allows the U.S. to expel migrants to prevent the spread of COVID-19 in its detention facilities. In the last federal fiscal year, more than 1 million people were expelled under Title 42. In the seven months since the start of the current federal fiscal year, more than 535,000 people have already been expelled. The CDC and President Biden had hoped to end Title 42 restrictions just this past Monday. But a federal judge last week blocked that from happening, at least for now. A large number of politicians on both sides of the aisle are determined to see to it that Title 42 remains in place for a lot longer. Title 42 has made things worse because of an unintended consequence. Minor children who are unaccompanied by their parents aren't subject to Title 42 and haven't been since November 2020. So their parents, desperate for their children to have a better life even if they can't, are sending those children back across the border from Mexico. More than 12,000 unaccompanied migrant minor children re-entered U.S. border custody from October 2020 through September 2021, the last federal fiscal year. They're still coming in the current fiscal year. All of us here in America today are here because either we or our parents or our grandparents came to this country because of its promise of liberty, equality, and freedom. The nearly 1.3 million people who died in the service of our nation since the Revolutionary War died for that promise. Yet today, it seems, we not only seek to deny that promise to others, but we're treating them in ways none of us would ever care to be treated, especially the children. To quote the late Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, may his memory be for a blessing, the Torah quote sets out a revolutionary template for a society of justice, freedom, and human dignity, unquote. That template runs throughout the Torah. The Torah tells us over 50 times to treat the strangers in our midst as we ourselves would want to be treated. That's way far more times than for any other law in the Torah, including Shabbat laws and the Torah's kosher laws. Not only does the Torah command us to, quote, love your fellow as yourself, unquote, it commands us to, quote, love the stranger as yourself, unquote. Very often when I make that point, there's someone who will say something like, Tell that to the slaves the Torah says we can have. The Torah doesn't condone slavery, no matter how often people have managed to twist its words, including in the American South before the Civil War. In fact, through its laws, the Torah seeks to abolish slavery by imposing very strict laws that make slavery difficult, if not impossible, to maintain. To again cite the late Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, quote, God wanted slavery abolished, but God wanted it to be done by 
free human beings coming to see of their own accord the evil it is and the evil it does. The God of history, who taught us to study history, had faith that eventually we would learn the lesson of history, that freedom is indivisible. We must grant freedom to others if we truly seek it for ourselves." Unquote. One of those strict laws the Torah imposes is this one. Quote, you shall not turn over to his master a slave who seeks refuge with you from his master. He or she shall live with you in any place he or she may choose among the settlements in your midst. You must not ill-treat him or her." Unquote. People who are fleeing from oppression and persecution are slaves in every sense of the word. Let's consider some of the other values the Torah presents to us that are supposed to be the values we Americans should hold dear, not just by its words, but by our deeds. Gun violence must top the list this week in any discussion of American values. As I wrote in today's Jewish Standard column, the Torah has much to say about gun violence. Those 19 dead children in Uvalde, Texas, and the two adults who died with them would probably be alive today if we took seriously what the Torah has to say. Clearly, we don't, because we keep electing people to public office who won't do anything substantive and effective about the issues involved. Our elected representatives won't do anything about gun violence unless we, acting together, force them to act. It's very telling and very chilling that there hasn't been any change in federal gun laws in the nearly 10 years since the massacre of 20 children and 6 adults at Sandy Hook Elementary School in December 2012. It's also very telling and very chilling that Republicans in the Senate just yesterday, on Thursday, just two days after the Uvalde massacre, blocked merely the discussion of the issues involved. They won't even talk about those issues unless they know there's a political price to pay. That's one area. In another, the Torah in so many ways seeks a level playing field between men and women. But we in America still don't have a level playing field. We're still far away from equal pay for equal work, for equal opportunities for men and women. The glass ceiling is still pretty much intact, even if a woman is vice president of the United States. Too many women here die before, during, and after childbirth because we, as a country, aren't willing to do what needs to be done to protect them and their health. And then there's abortion as the Talmud and subsequent Jewish law make clear in graphic terms. And as I discussed in my recent abortion podcast, the Torah teaches us that a woman's body is her own, especially regarding abortions, all the way up to the moment before the baby's head emerges from within her. As we're seeing in state after state in many parts of our country, though, 
and in the leaked decision expected at the end of June from the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. That's a value not shared here. The Torah insists that all the people, all the men, all the women, and all the children, and even all the strangers within our gates, each and every one of them, must be taught what the Torah says, and then for them to study what they've been taught. In other words, it insists that it's the community's job to see to it that everyone has an education, and that the education some get must be equal to the education everyone gets. That, too, isn't something we seem to value here, at least not anymore if we actually ever did. There are even conservative voices out there who want to get the Supreme Court, after it overturns Roe v. Wade as expected, to overturn the historic Brown v. Board of Education ruling that underpins equality in education. And Texas is seriously considering challenging a similar high court ruling from 1982 that required it to admit illegal migrant children into its public schools so that they can get the same education as all other children get in Texas. The Torah makes no distinction between the races. All people are descended from Adam's son, Seth. All people are equal in its eyes, and it wants all people to be equal in our eyes. The Torah insists that we must respect the privacy of others. It insists that we must take care of the poor and the elderly and see to the good health of everyone. It insists that we must protect our environment and our ecology. It insists very explicitly that we must respect and care for the flora and the fauna. On Memorial Day, we're supposed to remember those who died for the values on which this country was founded. They're American values, but only because they began as Torah values. As Professor Welch put it, quote, the Hebrew Bible was nothing short of the underlying fabric upon which American society was founded, unquote. To most of us, though, Memorial Day is the opening day of summer fun with barbecues and white sails and parades and carnivals and all manner of sports events. Too many people don't even know that at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Monday, we're supposed to stop whatever we're doing, stand for a moment, and remember those nearly 1.3 million martyrs to the cause of freedom, equality, and liberty. We need to do that on Monday. All of us need to do that. But we also must do something else to honor their memories, something that's far more meaningful than a moment of silence, and something we need to be engaged in every day not just on Memorial Day. We need to shout out loud, proclaim liberty throughout the land to all the inhabitants thereof. To all the inhabitants, not just to whites, or to legals, or to men. To all the inhabitants. And then we must, all of us, work to make those words mean what they say. For if we don't make that happen, those nearly 1.3 million martyrs will have died for nothing. 
Their sacrifices will have been in vain, and that would be a truly great sin. This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmeyer. I do hope you come back for my next podcast, and I'd like to hear what you have to say about this or my other podcast. Go to www.shammai.org www.shammai.org and email me, please. If you don't get the Jewish Standard but want to read my columns, go to the columns page of my website. The latest column, as noted, deals with the epidemic of gun violence in America that this week led to the massacre of children in Uvalde, Texas. Shabbat Shalom. Try to enjoy the holiday weekend despite all the news about how messed up a world we live in. Stay healthy. Keep wearing those N95 masks in indoor venues because COVID-19 is still very much with us. And get fully vaccinated if you haven't done so as yet, including both the first and second booster shots. And above all, stay safe.